chapter 14, verse number 15. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, God's Great Supper. Luke chapter 14, begin to read in verse number 15. You found that, won't you stand with me this morning, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in Luke chapter 14, begin to read in verse number 15. The Bible says these words. Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he, Jesus, this is Jesus, said unto him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground and must go and see it. I ask that you have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask that you have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you've commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men, listen, Jesus says, for I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit, God, I pray, will do the only job that he can do in this place. Father, and that's to bring conviction. Father, surely in this place this morning, there's someone that stands behind a pew right now who is lost in their sin. They have never truly been saved from the penalty of sin and its possession over their life. And God, I pray in this place, no matter what the devil may already have tried to be doing through through the first part of this service in some way spiritually in this person's life, God, I pray that you will pull the blinders off. 30 minutes, God. You'll pull the blinders off of their life, and you will help them to see where they stand spiritually before you today, and it's lost in sin and headed toward hell. God, I pray that when we come to a time of invitation, they won't offer an excuse. They won't kick the can down the road. Lord, they won't leave mad, but they'll leave glad because they turn from sin and surrender their life to Jesus Christ. God, we pray your spirit will do that. Father, I pray for our church that you will continue to burden us for the lostness that is around us. And Lord, we, we will... We will Develop, we'll allow you to develop within us a culture of inviting. We continually invite people to come to Jesus Christ. Bless this service. Father, I pray, I pray, God, your will will be done in every single heart and life because we respond to the call of the Holy Spirit. It's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. Jesus has begun his earthly ministry He is ministering, moving about from town to town, sharing the good news of the gospel. He's been invited into a Pharisee's house for dinner. Verse 1 of chapter 14 says, Now it happened as he went to the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely, 
Um, Jesus had made some enemies in the gospel, uh, in his gospel ministry. Verse number 49 of chapter 12, Jesus says of his ministry, he says, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. If I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I'll tell you not at all, but rather division. From now on, five and one house will be divided, uh, three against two, and Two against three. Father will be divided against his son. And son against his father. Mother against her daughter. Daughter against her mother. mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. And daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Why? Because the gospel brings division. Friend, you're either on God's side or you're not. And what determines where you stand is what you do with Jesus Christ. Jesus, they told even that religious crowd, all the Pharisees, these people who were so full of self-righteousness, he told him Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, except you repent, you'll likewise perish. What he tells him is, you've got to turn from your sinner. You're going to die and go to hell. And they hated him for that. Don't you hear me this morning? The gospel of Jesus Christ, friend, you won't stand indifferent to it. You'll leave this morning one of three ways. You'll leave either mad, sad, or glad. You'll leave mad if you're lost in your sin because you've been challenged again about where you stand spiritually today. You may leave sad because you know you're lost, but you've got something in your life that you will not let go of and turn to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. But my friend, can I just say, if you've trusted Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, you'll leave glad in the Lord. There's nothing like knowing Jesus in the free pardon of sin. And so there Jesus is in the midst of this crowd who's watching him on the Sabbath. And they set him up. Uh, Verse 2 says there's a man with dropsy there. That's uh, swelling that takes place uh, underneath the skin. There wasn't really any cure for it. It was a symptom of something greater going on, but there really was no cure. And so Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees there, and and really he spoke to their questions they already had in their head. He says, "Is, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Well, they didn't think so. They'd rather this man just continue on in this pitiful state than the doctor who's in the house actually heal him. And so they kept silent, but he took him and healed him and let him go. And then Jesus put him in their their places. Verse 5, he answered and said, "Uh, Which of you having a donkey or an ox that's fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they all would have. The point was this. They were so entrenched in their religion and their self-righteousness, they couldn't see the freedom that they needed through Jesus Christ. And so Christ began to speak a message to them concerning the kingdom of God. But he gave an illustration uh, about a great supper that was offered. Jesus teaches a parable to remind those who would hear that an invitation would be offered to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is simply this, friend, on this earth. Certainly in heaven, it's God's righteous rule over all creation and all that he has created. But the kingdom of God here on this earth is Christ's rule over my heart and life. Matthew 6, Jesus says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things that he spoke of prior to verse 33, physically, will be added to your life. The one great decision every person will ever make. You hear me this morning. It's not what church you go to. Not who you marry, not what your job is, not what retirement portfolio you choose and what dividend, how much you receive each month. The single greatest decision you'll ever make in your life is what you do with Jesus Christ. 
It's what you because it determines where you spend eternity. And so Christ begins to share with them uh, a, a parable about an invitation that's to be offered to experience Christ's kingdom reign in our life, to be saved from the penalty of our sin. But an individual has to make a response. They have to decide what they do with Jesus. Notice this morning very quickly. Number one, I want you to notice that this is a meal for all people. A meal for all people. Verse number 16, uh, verse 15 says, Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Well, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus just seized the opportunity that was there to be able to interject a word about the gospel. And verse 16, he says, Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Well, this great supper, friend, it, it represents the gospel. It, it represents the good news of Jesus Christ. And the good news is this, that God sent Jesus to die as a substitution in our place on the cross. Literally what they sang this morning, Christ gave his life for ours. Why? Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And Jesus took that penalty in himself, the penalty that we should all experience. He took it in his own body. And so that's the gospel, that if a man turns from sin and trusts Christ to be Lord of their life, Romans 10, 9, and 10, friend, the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 13, will be saved. And can I tell you, friend, that's good news. Friend, it's good news that you don't have to go to hell. Everybody is born headed to hell. It's good news that God's made a way that we don't have to go. And so that's what this meal is. It represents the gospel. For fallen man, this, this gospel, this meal that God has cooked for us in Jesus Christ, it contains everything that man needs to be redeemed and saved from his fallen state. Because listen, friend, without the gospel, man is helpless and man is hopeless. Listen, we're starving spiritually. There's nothing we can do to affect the spiritual deadness that we have. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12, by one man sin entered the world and death through sin. That means every time a little baby is born, how sweet and precious they are. Mothers, it's Mother's Day. I know you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but when you heard that first little coo and you looked at that little baby, was the pain not worth it all, moms? Well, a couple of your moms, the rest of your mom hates you. She said... <laughs> Nothing. She regrets the day you were born. Moms, was it not worth that? It was. I went my illustration right out the, the door. And so the pain and the process was worth being able to experience that, that love that you had for that, that little child. But friend, listen, that little baby that's there, how sweet and precious they are, spiritually they're dead. I don't care how much they squirm, how much they cried when the doctor slapped their backside, how healthy they were and full of vigor. Spiritually, all people are born dead. The only way, friend, we can have spiritual life is to receive it from Jesus Christ. A choice has to be made to feast on Christ, to receive Him spiritually. You see, this, this meal that God has cooked for all people, the gospel... An invitation is offered, but you have to choose to receive it. And we do that. See, salvation settles the account of our sin. It settles the account of our sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. 
That is the check you cash at the end of your life. If something never happens in your life spiritually, you spend eternity in a place called hell. Forever separated from the love of God, His grace, and His mercy because you wouldn't turn and trust Christ. But listen, here's the good news. Jesus has already borne that price in His body. 2,000 years ago, he allowed himself to be nailed to a Roman cross and he took upon himself the penalty for your sin and for my sin. He was our substitute. And so through Christ, salvation settles that righteous requirement. But not only that, friend, through spiritually feeding on Christ, this meal for all people, we're able to be daily cleansed through the washing of the Word. You know, the reason some people are... Physically not healthy, they don't have the right diet. You know, you, you get, oftentimes you'll go in for your physical, even if you go for one. But if you go for one each year, your doctor will begin to sit down and go through all of your blood panel and all your tests. And he'll begin to ask you about your diet. And he begin to show you about some deficiencies that you have in your body. Within certain foods, friend, God put the, the, the benefit in there that it will cleanse our bodies of certain toxins and things that don't need to be there. And the reason a lot of people are physically sick is because they don't have the right diet. Friend, listen, when you feast on Jesus Christ, it cleanses you daily. Not just the sin that's in the past, but present and future sin you're cleansed from in Jesus Christ. But not only that, there's a third need. It gives this, this meal in Jesus Christ, it gives sight and strength to walk and to live spiritually. You see, friend, spiritually this morning, if you're here, don't you listen to me. You listen, perk up. And if you've never been saved, when our choir sang that song, His Life for Mine this morning, maybe you heard somebody shout in the back and say amen, maybe off to the side of you. You saw somebody in the choir really get moved by that and raise their hand. Well, they're, they're not being just emotional. Friend, listen, there's something in their heart that begins to stir when they think about, man, Jesus Christ died for them. And they've never gotten over, friend, that they've passed from death to life. And listen to me, the reason you don't get that is because you're spiritually dead. You don't feel anything. You're, you're one maybe who's been around the church for many years in your life. You say, I just don't get anything out of preaching. I don't get anything out of when I read my Bible. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and verse number 14, the natural man, that is the person who's just physically alive, they don't have spiritual life. The natural man perceives not the things of God, for they're spiritually understood. But he goes on to say, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 14, that they're foolishness to him. The Word of God's absolutely foolishness. How is that? Because spiritually, you're dead. The dead man can't do anything. You can't begin to live a life that's pleasing to God because you're dead. Nobody goes to a graveyard and looks down at the ground and says, you need to try harder to be a good person. You need to be a better citizen. Uh, you need to treat your family better. Nobody does that. Nobody offers encouragement to somebody that's in the grave. Why? They're dead. Friend, it's only when you're born again spiritually by repenting of sin, trusting Jesus to be Lord of your life, that you begin to have spiritual sight to see things spiritually in God's Word. And then you've got spiritual strength to be able to do the things. That was one of the promises that Christ gave the church in the book of Acts. He says, you shall receive power, Acts 1.8. 
And it's the Holy Spirit of God that gives you the power to see God's Word, to understand God's Word, and to walk a life that's pleasing to Jesus. Listen to me, friend. Jesus is the substance, and He is our sustenance. He's the substance of the meal that God has cooked for all people. That's the illustration Jesus is trying to give. A man created a great feast. He's going to invite people. But he wants people to understand what the meal is. It's represented right there in verse number 15. It's the kingdom of God. It's Christ's rule over your life and your future life in his kingdom upon this earth for a thousand years and with him in heaven forever. And so Christ is the substance and he is our sustenance. And can I tell you, there's no substitute. There's no substitute. I get a kick out of talking to people from time to time that get on little health kicks. You know, and they'll try it for about three or four weeks. And they empty their refrigerator. They buy fat-free milk. They buy fat-free sour cream. They buy fat-free salad dressing. And really that word fat-free can really be substituted with taste-free. It's taste-free milk, taste-free salad dressing, taste-free. Friend, can I just say, there's some things there's no substitute for. There's just no... You you can try, you know, a a salad dressing that's fat-free, but it's no substitute for the real deal. There's just no substitute. You you know, you can try to make a hamburger out of 100% beef, but my friend, there's no substitute for 70-30. I mean, set the grill on fire, call the fire department hamburger. There's no substitute. You hear me this morning, friend, there's no substitute for Jesus Christ. You can feast on everything that Satan tries to get you to feast on spiritually as a substitute. And it won't do anything for you. Only Jesus Christ can give you spiritual life. It's a great meal for all people. Number two, don't you notice the many now who were called. Jesus had said in John chapter 6, verse 35, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me and feasts, receives me internally, shall never hunger spiritually. And so now an invitation is given. Look what the Bible says in verse number 16. Jesus said a certain man made a great supper and invited many. Verse 17, and his sent his servant out at supper time and said to those who were invited, he says, come, for all things are now ready. And so an invitation has been given. My friend, our God is a God of invitation. The Bible's full of invitations. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, God told Noah and his family to come into the ark. He invited them to come in to safety. Uh, Exodus 32, verse 26, Moses, God told him what to say. He says, all who are on the Lord's side, come and stand by me. It was an invitation. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, God says, come, let us reason together. Jesus said, Matthew 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My burden's light. He invites all people to that. Luke 19, verse 5. Story, if you've ever been around church for more than two or three days, you know about Zacchaeus. A wee little man was he. He went up in a tree for Jesus he wanted to see. And Jesus said, Come down, Zacchaeus. Come down. He invited him to come down and to share his life. Revelation twenty-two seventeen, friend, the heart of God, still at the end, the last book and one of the last words in the Bible, the Spirit and the Bride say, 
come. Our God's a God of invitation. Friends, sin entered the world when Adam and Eve sinned. It was passed on to all men. You were born with a sin nature. The penalty for that is an eternal separation from God in a place called hell when you die in your sin. But God has extended an invitation to all people to turn from their sin and to come to Him and to receive Jesus internally as Lord of their life and to pass spiritually from death to life. I'm telling you this morning, you hear me. I don't care what you've done. Listen to me this morning. I don't care what you've done in life, what sin has marked and marred your life, how low your self-esteem is, what your spiritual background is, you hear me this morning. God wants you to be saved. He wants you to be saved. He wants to have fellowship with you. You may be a person that thinks, well, nobody else wants to, nobody likes me. Nobody wants to hang out with me. Nobody checks and calls on me. My family doesn't like me. My bosses, nobody at work likes me. Friend, I'm telling you, God loves you. So how do you know? He proved it. He sent His Son to die on the cross for you. And there's not a mother here this morning, friend, that loves anybody in this room enough to let their child die for them. Not one mother would stand up this morning and say, I'll let my child be nailed to a cross that this other person won't have to be. Nobody would do that in their right mind. But friend, God did it. He proved how much He loved you. And He extends to you this morning an invitation to turn from your sin and to trust Christ. But now, sadly, notice this, the making of the excuses. All of these make sense if you, you look at the original context. This was an agricultural society. And so these were things that would have been happening in the life of, of someone. One guy says, well, I've bought a piece of land. I've got to go check it out. The next guy says, well, I've got a new yoke of oxen to work on that land. Well, another man, the nation of Israel, they were to be fruitful and to multiply. They were to have families and to grow. Says, man, I'm just fixing to set up house. I just got married. I, I can't, can't come to that. We're, we're just fixing to get moved in. But what they were were just excuses. The, the, the man says, come to the feast. But they rejected the invitation. And it was, it was, they were all different, but they were the same. A procrastinating spirit refuses the opportunity, my friend, to experience God's best today. Maybe someone here this morning, how many invitations you have sat through. The Holy Spirit of God has called you, convicted you, drawn you, and here you are again today. In the conclusion of this service, I want you to listen to me. I'm going to extend an invitation and say, don't come to me. Don't come to Greenwood. Come to Jesus Christ. I'm going to extend an invitation on behalf of Christ and say, come to Jesus Christ today. My friend, if you begin to give excuses like that, you're going to leave the same way that you came. And you walk through these doors and you just walk down the aisle, wherever it was that you're sitting this morning, you walk down a piece of it, but you leave this morning, something different is going to happen if you leave lost. Don't you listen to me. You're going to walk over the gospel of Jesus Christ to get out of here. If you leave lost, you're going to trample it under your feet. You're going to trample under your feet the Lord Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, bleeding and dying for you. You're going to walk over the love 
of a holy God that sent his son to die for you. This other man that had sacrifice, it was a great feast. There's no telling how much he spent to offer a meal for all of these people. What did they give? Excuses. They all walked over the price that had been paid to provide the meal. God offers a spiritual meal to all people to receive Jesus Christ, to satisfy the great need of your soul, to have your sin forgiven, and to have the life of Christ imputed to you. And if you leave here lost this morning, you'll stomp right on top of it. You'll walk right back to your car, and that's what your excuse does. It says, I don't think this is necessary or of worth in my life. That's what every excuse is. Any excuses, no, it doesn't matter what's added to it. Not coming to Christ is telling God no. Well, you know, what I have is, is more needed. My friend, if you're lost, let me tell you what you need. You need salvation. Everything else in your life really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter until you settle that issue. I want to ask you, friend, what is there to experience that's greater than knowing God through His Son? There's nothing. Jesus asked a question in Mark chapter 8, verse 36. He says, what profit a man if he gained the whole world and he lose his own soul? What would it profit you if you could even accomplish all the things that you're chasing after as a lost person and you finally get them? Friend, listen, you're going to die one day and you're going to leave the same way you came into this world, naked. You're not taking anything physically with you. Whatever it is that you've been holding on to, whatever excuse you've given to keep from coming to Christ and surrendering your life to His Lordship, one day you'll lay it down. You're going to leave this life with one of two things. Hear me this morning. You will leave with Jesus Christ because you repented and trusted Him, or you will leave this life with the dead of your sin, and you'll spend eternity in a place called hell. But everything else that you've chased after, you will not take it with you. It'll stay here. Now, I want to ask you, be honest before God. Listen to me. Everybody look at me. What is there that's in your life, if you're lost this morning, that's worth going to hell over? What do you hold in your life that's worth spending an eternity burning, separated from God's love and God's grace in a place called hell? There's nothing. There's nothing. Don't make that mistake. Fourth, I want you to notice now the master's heart. So they, they gave the invitation. All the excuses were made. And the servant comes back, verse 21, look at your Bibles, <clears throat> and begins to report. So that servant came and reported these things to his master, and then the master of the house, being angry, he wasn't indifferent. The Bible says that he became very angry. And friend, I want you to know something. God's not indifferent about you refusing to trust Christ. He's not indifferent at all. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse number 23, God says to the nation of Israel who's about to experience judgment because of their refusal to repent of sin. He says, do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his wicked ways and live? Absolutely not. Verse 32, God says, I have no pleasure in the death of the one who dies, says the Lord. Therefore, turn and live. God's not happy to send one person to hell. But if you won't repent, my friend, he is just, and hell is where you'll go. But it broke the master's heart. 
and it breaks God's heart because you trample underfoot the price that he paid and you trample underfoot the love. But notice what happens. The Bible says he just sent the servant out to, to invite more. Look at verse 21. So that servant came and reported all these things and he was, the master was angry and he said, go out quickly to the streets, the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the maimed, the lame and the blind. Bring in those who really see that they have a need. And the servant said to the master, it's, it's done as you've commanded and still there's room. So the master said, well, go back out. Keep compelling people to come. That word compel means to beg. Friend, I'm doing that this morning. I'm telling you. I prayed over this message this week. And over one person that might be here this morning, just because it's Mother's Day. And I beg you to come to Jesus today, but I can't make the choice for you. Not challenge you. Don't be blinded by church membership and religion if you're lost. A lot of people think they've been blinded here in the South just to think, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm in the church or associated with the church, man, I'm going to heaven. Let me, let me give you an illustration. What if I told you tomorrow that, you know, I had to go to Knoxville? So, I've, you know, I've got to go to Knoxville tomorrow. And I'm, I'm going there. I'm going to Knoxville. And let's say, you know, you decide you, you also have to, to make a journey tomorrow. And you start heading up uh, the highway north. And, you know, you, you get up past exit 27. And there's a, there's a sign on the side of the road that says Knoxville. Please don't come correct me after the service. But 62 miles. And I'm sitting on top of the sign. I'm just sitting there. Got my lunch. Got a little cooler with some waters in there to stay hydrated. And I'm sitting on top of that sign that says, This way to Knoxville. You say, Brother Chad, we drive. I'm, I'm going to Knoxville. When you say, No, you're not, you're sitting on the sign that points you to Knoxville. Friend, I want you to listen to me this morning. That's what church membership in the, in the South does for people. They come and sit on the church. Listen, the church isn't the way to heaven, friend, and it's not going to heaven, it just points to heaven. A lot of people come and sit on pews and they go, you know, I've been, I've been a member of Greenwood all these years. I mean, I'm 57 pages back in the, in the book. You know, the book. Where my letter. There are no letters. I'm, I'm 57. I'm deep in there, buddy. Friend, it doesn't matter. It doesn't listen to me this morning. You hear me. It really doesn't matter whether your name's written in the Greenwood book. What matters is whether your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. And I'm telling you, I meet people all the time. They're sitting on the church telling everybody that they're going to heaven. The church doesn't take you to heaven. It just points you there. Only Jesus can take you to heaven. That's the question. Has there ever really been a moment that you repented of all your sin and by faith you trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life. You feasted on His grace. You feasted on His mercy. You feasted on His sacrifice. And in so doing, friend, you received life. Has there ever been a moment where you've done that? Don't mistake, friend, God's loving patience for liberal permissiveness. Say, well, nothing's happened yet. That's because God's long-suffering and He wants you to be saved. But sooner or later, friend, you're going to cross a deadline. Either you're going to die or in this earth, friend, one of the, the saddest things that can happen. You cross the Holy Spirit's deadline and your heart becomes cold and numb as dead as a tomb.
and you don't feel anything when you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fifth notice now, sadly, the missed opportunity. Look what the Bible says in verse 24. He says, for I say to you that none of those men, he's offered the invitation, go out and get more. The ones we invited won't come, go invite others. Because I say to you, verse 24, that none of those who were invited and rejected gave all the excuses, listen to me, just spurned the invitation, kicked the can down the road, either mocked it, made light of it, mad or sad, whatever the reason, they wasted away the opportunity. The Bible says, none of those who are invited shall taste my supper. I close with this. You hear me this morning. Maybe the last time you ever hear it. If you're lost in sin and you choose not to be saved today. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, God says, my spirit will not always strive with man. What does that mean? Listen. That just because the Holy Spirit has pulled the blinders off of your life today, has helped you to see how lost in your sin you are, how much you stand in need, that you've had tons of religion but never one ounce of salvation, just because the Spirit of God is doing that today in this service doesn't mean He'll do it tomorrow. You can cross God's deadline. You can harden your heart against that. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 6, to seek Him while He may be found, to call upon Him while He may be near. Just because the Spirit of God's inviting you to be saved right now doesn't mean He will tomorrow. He said, well, I'll do it next Mother's Day. You may not be here next Mother's Day. How many who were here last Mother's Day are dead in eternity now? They've crossed the deadline, friend, that they'll never be able to respond again to. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 1, He who, being often reproved, hardens his heart, and he stiffens his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, listen, and that without remedy. What does that mean? It means, my friend, you can only reject the invitation of Jesus Christ to come and feast on His grace and mercy and forgiveness so long until you harden your heart and harden your neck to where you no longer hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and then He quits calling. I'm telling you, my friend, as sure as I'm standing here today, so many decisions in this world are going to be made this week. can't even begin to imagine the decisions that our Congress and Senate Supreme Court have to make military decisions. I mean, friend, listen, about real-world happenings. Our intelligence agencies, teams that are on the ground that are moving, those that are closing with terrorist threats to, to stop those. So many decisions that are going to be made next week in the world, that, that are, and even right now, man, that are so important. You hear me. None of them compare with this decision right here. The single greatest decision you'll ever make in your life is what you do with Jesus Christ. Now, I stand here this morning, friend. I can't choose for you. I can't do it. But I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. I beg you this morning, if you've never been saved, to come to Jesus Christ. Friend, I tell you, if I had a thousand lives to live, I'd give them all to Jesus. 
Peggy's saying truth, friend. You can't make it without Jesus. You're going to go to hell without Jesus. Stop sitting on the sign and come to Jesus Christ, my friend. He'll take you to heaven, but He'll give you heaven now. He'll give you a life that you can't even begin to imagine. But it begins with this. You've got to choose to turn from all the sin that's in your life. Pride, sin, not just sins of commission, sins of omission. You've got to turn. You've got to surrender your life to Christ's lordship. Let him be Lord. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I invite you, come to Jesus and feast on his mercy, his grace, and his forgiveness. It's your choice to do it. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Now listen, the service is not over. This, is the, this now is the most singular, most important part of the service. If the Spirit of God has convicted you this morning that you really need to be saved, why don't you just tell Christ right now that you hear Him calling, you see your need. There's nothing in your life that you know is worth going to hell over. You believe He died for you. You believe He rose from the grave. And you're turning from all your sin and surrendering your life to His Lordship. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, friend, when you do that, you can know. You can know that you've been saved. Would you not tell Him that today? He's calling you. He's inviting you. Respond to Him right now in faith where you sit. Just like this. Say, God, forgive me a sinner. I admit my sin. I confess it. I turn from it. I believe Jesus died for me, that he rose from the grave. And I'm turning to him right now and surrendering my life to his lordship. Be king. Be Lord. I want to experience the kingdom of God, his rule over my life. I'm responding to the invitation. I want to feast on mercy. I want to feast on grace. I want to feast on salvation. I come. I come. I receive Christ as Lord of my life. If you prayed that in a minute, I'm going to invite you to be so brave and bold in just a moment when we stand to our feet. Make it public. Step out into one of these aisles and make your way forward and say, man, I responded to the invitation today. And I want to tell you what God wants to do next in your life. I wonder how many here today know of someone that still stands in need. They're not here today. Neighbor, friend, family member. Moms, maybe it's a child or a grandchild. Don't become hardened and apathetic. You keep calling out to God. Keep praying for opportunities to be a part of inviting them and live a changed life. How much effect a changed life can make and be used by the Holy Spirit to show someone where they stand in need. Father, I pray you'll continue to speak to this gathering here today. Oh God, I pray if someone's still holding on to whatever the excuse is, Holy Spirit of God, make them miserable. Hold them over the fires of hell, God, even right now. God, we pray you'll be long-suffering. God, I pray you'll do everything shy of killing somebody that still stands here lost today till they turn and trust you. Oh God, don't, we pray they won't cross a deadline. We want to say collectively today, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for coming and doing something for us that we could never do for ourselves. 
And God, I pray you'll challenge this church family. Overwhelm us with the need that's around us. And I pray we'll be so used like this servant to go and just simply invite people to come to Jesus Christ. Be Lord of this invitation. I pray we'll respond, God, to what you're calling us to do. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let's reverently stand there.